yeah, like you said, goal line clearance is a lot of good play. Feisty at times, I think Arsenal's still count as higher than Chelsea. Keep up to date with the latest WSL action and the biggest interviews. I could never see myself putting on another jersey. Subscribe to the Koi Gig podcast stream on the OTB Sports app now. The News Run on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. This is News Talk. Hello there, you're welcome along to Monday evenings off the ball on the football show between 9 and 10. We will have Pat Nevin with us, also Harriet Pryor of the Anfield Wrap as we have ourselves a title race once again. I don't think mo- many of us were expecting that, but it seems like we do. Billy Joe Padden on the weekend's GA. We have Monday Night Rugby as well after 8 o'clock. Matt Williams and Jerry Thornley on South Africa and the Six Nations and those reports. And uh, the Italians, it would seem, are very much shooting themselves in the foot again behind the scenes. 53106 is the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter Johnny Ward in studio you're very welcome great to be here how are you Joe very well and Richie McCormick hello good evening oh how are you how are you it's nice to have Johnny in studio as opposed to the 16 bus like he was on Friday evening yeah that wasn't good Richie I mean I, it was I, unique I came across it completely like it was it, it, it might have turned into like some sort of a Ulysses like a day in Dublin and part of it on the 16 bus but it was uh, it was a car crash but it wasn't a car crash as in nothing crashed but it, not literally not literally uh, but I as, as uh, one of my mates said to me today why didn't you just get a taxi like I was just like I, I should have I should have because you're a man of the people Johnny that's why I lo- I've gotten the bus a lot since I uh, became incapacitated and uh, I, I have to say I love the fact that they brought in this thing during COVID. I think it was a COVID thing that on the Dublin bus, you, you exit now via the middle of the bus and you yeah. you only enter via the conventional doors, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it. But um, everyone still says thanks to the driver. It's the most beautiful thing. So they're exiting like a good few yards away from the driver and they go out of their way to say thanks to him. And uh, it's just a lovely Dublin thing. Should I know what you're talking about here, you two? Yeah, absolutely, Joe. Come on, get on board with Where the content. Where have you been like, um, the last two Fridays? Yeah. The, left, the League of Ireland Friday night thrown in, Joe, which has been going on on Twitter spaces for those who missed out on it, and it's latterly been put up as a, as a podcast on the OTB Sports app. Yeah. Um, they had, obviously, Shane Keegan was involved. Nathan was helming the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny was down at Talk Park for Shells and Pats uh, on the opening night of the season. Uh, we tried to get some reportage from Johnny, uh, but that could only occur via the 16 bus because Johnny was on the move because Johnny is a man of the people. Yeah, I'm not not sure about the man the people thing, but Nathan uh, Nathan and I discussed this idea of a Friday night kind of reaction to the yeah, League yeah. of Ireland show, um, and uh, the Nathan came up with this idea of Twitter Spaces, which I I'd never heard of to be honest, and uh, it works really really well apart from the little teething problems of the 16 bus and all that but like it's two weeks in and like Richie look at some of the characters that like so Pori Cannon oh, yeah. came on just came on Andy Burton came on um, and this is only in week two and you see all these characters like hovering around the background who might not necessarily want to come on but you see their name there they're there and, yeah, yeah yeah and I think like once we get like very very angry players and angry managers and people who've had a few pints on the show I mean what can possibly go wrong <laughs> it's, an unre- it's an unregulated area as well Twitter spaces so we're not necessarily uh, bound by the same constraints that would be on radio <laughs> so yeah but yeah you can see like when we open up the space you can see who's who's listening in there uh, in terms of who's like got public profiles and stuff and it's been it's been a heartening uh, opening couple of weeks for it it has to be said some one word for it yeah uh, how was Duffer on Friday night it was 
It was just great. Like it was, um, you know, he's he's probably a bit pissed off with all the focus on him. But like, I wouldn't mind having all that focus on me having played how many times I did for Ireland and won Champions Leagues and all that. So, um, I'm sure a lot of it he's he appreciates that it's the norm. But uh, it was just like it, it was so perfect. It was it was a horribly cold night. It was like I used to live opposite Talca Park. Um, in college when it was winter football and nights like that were normal back then but now if you go to League of Ireland match generally the weather is fine and this was Baltic cold none of the players wore gloves and people slag me about this when I go on about outfield players wearing gloves in like 10 degrees but like you're a footballer why are you wearing gloves unless you're in goal nobody wore gloves probably thought like I'm not going to go out here and have Tim Clancy or Damien Duff look at me and think why Why do you need to wear gloves like be you know be hard because this is a Dublin derby it was brilliant the goal by um, Burns was utterly sensational like sensational and he's a young player who's come through the Pats Academy James Abank was formed centre back for Pats was Extraordinary for a kid of his age, 18. You had all the duff stuff. Um, you know, the players he's brought in, the role they played in the second half, even in a 3 0 defeat. You're getting sacked in the morning from the Pats fans at the end who were huddled behind the goal in what was really like Arctic conditions. Great buzz in the place. Saved Halka Park campaign, got a lift that day as well. You see, um, this is a burgeoning campaign, this Saved Halka mm. Park one at the moment. Even Duffer was throwing his weight behind it post match. And the funny thing about it was, like, Duffer's, you know, uh, pre match sort of press conference, which, you know, they're all box office. Everything he does is box office. Um, he was giving out about daft.ie and he was saying, like, oh, I know all about this. Like, I, I'm signing players and I'm trying to get them accommodation and I think his wording was you know I sent 50 emails around and didn't get a response now I'm wondering if, if you got an email from Damien Duff I imagine you would reply because like oh my god Damien Duff's emailed me here so I wouldn't believe he, it was Damien Duff I'd say he's sending it from a different address okay. but anyway so he's going yeah the housing crisis is an absolute like car crash it's terrible but at the same time Save Talca Park. Uh, Talca Park's actually going to be redeveloped for, for housing, but he's like, well, not Talca Park. So that kind of sums up okay. like our attitude to the housing crisis as well. It's like, oh, this is really bad, but there's an awful lot of objections if anything goes in your area as well. Not in my back garden. Mm. Uh, he did have a great quote after Friday in the game. He said, I'm glad it's over. I don't like the spotlight. I'm sure the other managers are going effing duffer getting it. I don't want it. So effing they can have it, all right? Yeah. But you <laughs> see, and this is the beauty of it, Richie. Next week... Mm. Duffer goes to Drogheda so like this is it's just every week and I, I, I've had debates about how many teams should be in the Premier Division but every game this this year nearly will have a narrative and now Duffer goes to Drogheda and this in itself for me Richie is like fascinating as well it sounds like a movie yeah it does, I was just going to say it sounds like it sounds like an episode of, of Only Fools and Horses mm. uh, Duffer goes to Drogheda to hold and back well, how, how will they do how will they do shells how'd they look I, I, it's going to be a difficult season for yeah. them. Like, there's been a massive whatever about the the turn. I think Dan had Dan McDonald had this stat during the game on Friday. Johnny, you can correct me on this one. I uh, might be wrong. I think I think he said 15 of the 22 that were on the field starting were new to each club. Mm. So you just basically seven carryovers uh, from the last season. So uh, shells probably have the more difficult element of that to try and bed players in allied to that you've got a novice manager um, they've just come up from the first division like it will be a bit of a a bit of a, a, a trudge for them at times they they should be okay I wouldn't guarantee it um, but they definitely need to start getting results on the board early and Drogheda will be the kind of ample opportunity for them to do um, that but you know they're, they're not going to give it like Kevin Doherty and, and Drogs aren't going to give up Anthony Easley especially up at United Park I'm going to I'm going to have to disagree with you totally on this like Charles there is no way they're going to be in the relegation scrap in my view do you reckon I don't think they'll be in the relegation scrap but I don't think they're going to set any houses on fire uh, with their performances 
Mm. Or, uh, they're, they're, or they're finishing the season I should say rather than the performances because they were like the 3-0 wasn't fair to them really on, on Friday night it wasn't no um, but but nor are they going to be you know searching for European football I don't think at the end of the season th- this is the beauty of it as well Richie said like they have a novice manager and that's what he is he's a novice manager and Damien Duff goes into a cauldron where he's taken on these wily old managers in the league and like very promising managers who've had a couple of seasons and Duff is the guy who has to prove himself here He's the player doesn't matter anymore mm-hmm. and that's what I love about it uh, meanwhile, there was a nice help in a chaos to the game at Ellen Road yesterday. Scott McTominay was thinking, this is the kind of game mm. I'm enjoying. Tackling, getting stuck in, referee letting a lot go, and it made it thoroughly enjoyable. When it went 2-2 and the place was hopping, I thought, I got, this, is, this is absolutely fine by me. The Premier League could do it a touch more this Oh, impact. totally. Terrible pitch, probably unplayable. Yeah. Um, I was actually so I was at home with my my brother and father. They're they're big like Liverpool fans and obviously still anti Man United and they're watching the game and it reminded me of um, when Italian football came on RTE um, the Monday nights and I I distinctly remember this game. I was only a kid at the time, but there were waterlogged conditions and one of the one of the Italian teams went they went 2-0 down and there was like five minutes left and they showed then like it was only a highlights clip but they showed like the Italian player like picked up the ball threw it on the ground threw it to the referee and he said we can't play in this it's unplayable they were 2-0 <laughs> down there was like five minutes left I was like how Italian is that but like the the conditions were so bad the tackles flying in the second goal I thought he's going to give a free out there that looks like a foul on Fernandez, but it probably wasn't and it was just great to watch and messy conditions a throwback to the old Premier League I have to say I loved it it was interesting the way the referee let so much go Mm. I think he was allowing for the fact that there's going to be mistimed tackles mm. in the conditions and the players sensed this and then took full advantage Went of knowing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think there was that element of there's a degree of all bets are off here today. There was, yeah, there was a period where Tierney, just Paul Tierney, the referee, just said, all right, that's enough. And he started flinging out yellow cards. Yeah. I think Leeds ended up with half their team. I think they got six yellows by the end of it yesterday. Um, but like, he was, like, fair play. Like, you absolutely have to let stuff go to a degree in those conditions. Allied to the fact that it is that kind of Yorkshire, Lancashire derby leads Manchester United. It always has a bit of needle behind it. We haven't had a full house for that in 18 years mm. um, in a Premier League fixture. So, like, fair play to the referee for letting stuff go. The one thing that probably should have been acted on a little bit more, obviously, and that's included in the news around there, is the injury to Robin Cock because there's no way that he should have been allowed to play on like somebody should have taken that decision while he was sat on the ground to mm. get him properly and adequately checked not while he was on his backside on the pitch saying I'm grand I'm grand and five minutes later he's complaining of blurry vision and, and heading off not feeling well like that's that's not a good thing no no not at all I, I think um, th- that whole area is definitely it's good that it's in focus a lot and you had that um, that Six Nations under 20s game as well where the, the referee it was actually a female referee and she was really really strong I think it was Italy and, Italy and England and she just said yeah you're going off the picture um, just on the you know the, the the tackles and that Richie and letting stuff go mm. like there, there are a couple of referees in the League of Ireland um, I, I, I hope they won't mind me don't saying name this. names Johnny Rob Hennessy and Paul McLaughlin I think oh, their yeah. their style in a game is to if it's 50-50 let it go like and I, I think in the modern game yellow cards are given out far too easily it's like if you make any late tackle at all it's a yellow card and I think that that tackling aspect of the game the speed of the game now like if you make an in, if, you're, if you've obviously intend to get the ball no malice in the tackle and you're a little bit late like why does it need to be a yellow card and I think that's yellow, I, I yellow agree, cards are just thrown around all the time now I, for everything I agree with you completely one of the reasons the Euros was so brilliant is that the players recognised very early on the mm. referees were letting things go mm. and you had to earn a yellow card if you were getting a yellow and the Premier League 
to their credit, they do a lot of dumb things, but mm. to their credit, they took that and they brought that into this season. Mm. I think it's one of the reasons this season has been just about the best Premier League season week to week in terms of the quality of games for flow and excitement that we've had in a very long time. Yeah, and like tackling is part of the game. Yeah, if yeah. you if you take that out and, 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 and like I, I love that game yesterday. It was a throwback. It was like, you know, there's a physicality to this and uh, I'd like to see this referees just use a bit of common sense because I don't think in general, I think players like that. I think even Do on you? the opposition, they're like, um, you know. That's the fo- ironically, that's the football they grew up playing. Yeah. It's only in the last five years I stopped knowing what a yellow card was for. Mm, mm. Now it feels like it's come back a bit to what I have a feel what for. What it was like. Yeah. And in fairness, to, I mean, JD was here. He sent us a video of watching the uh, the game and the Spurs game. And I know he was at the, he was actually at the game yesterday, but the, the Spurs result was fantastic. For a Premier League that was sort of petering away on us is no. all of a sudden interesting. Well, all of a sudden we have a relegation battle. We kind of do, yeah. The top four thing is interesting. Mm. And there's the distinct hint of a title race. Especially, so Liverpool play Leeds Wednesday. That gets mm. them back to within three. And they have to go to the Etihad. Mm. So now we're talking. It makes you wonder when you watch uh, Spurs go against City the way they did, Richie. Uh, mm. 5 4 1 for a huge por- portion of the game, try and kill them on the break. You're kind of thinking, why is this so difficult for so many teams? Crystal Palace did it quite well. Spurs did it in the opening game of the season. They did it again the other night. Uh, it does seem to be beyond most teams, though, and it's not the most complicated game plan. Yeah, most teams are a little bit too afraid of, of what Manchester City yeah. can do and either try and completely shut down what City try and do, which is impossible because you just can't. And then you just have to play to the strengths that can get them beaten, which is to to catch them on the break and, and try and nick them where you can, like Spurs did. Like Spurs um, at, at approach to that game. Like even the the last, like stoppage time is the perfect encapsulation of that yeah. because everybody I think I, there was a couple of people tweeting saying I can't wait for City's equaliser 90 plus 3 minutes Riyad Mahrez penalty and it was close enough on being that and then for Spurs to regather and, and say do you know what there probably is a little bit more in this game for us and the Conte and celebration against the winner it's, it's just it's, it's, it's phenomenal but more teams they, they shouldn't have that element of fear which can manifest itself in either shutting down or saying do you know what we'll, we'll just go out and do what we normally do well, and yeah, we'll, try yeah. and, we'll, try, we'll try and attack them as we normally like play a 4-3-3 get spanked 7-0 and just put it down to experience move mm. on I, like they, they need to be a bit more canny about how they play teams in Man City yeah I think they spend so much of the week focusing on defensive shape and they neglect the well what do we do when we get the ball that we want to counter and you think of Spurs' first goal and they work it to the left hand side and it's a ball up the line draw a man in Kane drops deep into the space. Son's already gone. You know, it's this pattern of movement and suddenly they're in. Goal. Yeah, it was beautiful goal. Um, but you, you kind of think, well, are enough teams focusing on the what do we do in these rare moments when we get our 28% mm. possession, which is what and Spurs had. Like, the, the Harry Kane thing's interesting to me because, like... Um, I, I only kind of watched highlights of the game, but his performances at the minute, like he's he's up there with the best players in the world when he plays like that. But yeah. why wasn't he do that? Er- why wasn't he doing that uh, earlier in the season under the previous manager? Was it because he was tired from from England's duty, or was it because he was pissed off because he wasn't leaving? It was it was one hundred percent both. Mm. Yeah, and I I kind of uh, we were talking about this on Saturday. That does annoy me a bit. Like when you're paid that much to play for a club, like can it be that hard to just give a hundred percent? But isn't there a human psychology that you all have to appreciate? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, there is that, and that's just probably reality, the more nuanced answer. Yeah. yeah, but um, like some of his passing and oh. you know, obviously the finish at it's the class. end, it's just amazing well, footballer. I, I was trying to that. think, you know, so for well, the finishes are outstanding, and then say the pass for Son, for instance, mm. and I mean he can ping balls off left, right foot, thirty, forty yards. He's such an all-round player. I was trying to think what strikers could do that. One of the few that popped into my mind was Rooney. Mm. I can imagine Rooney dropping into that space and hitting that left foot pass. I can imagine Rooney finishing, but like. 
there are very few as rounded mm. as Kane and Rooney. All round players. He's um he, he's 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 really really he is an all round player. Like he's um he's so comfortable to get picking up the ball in those areas. And the, you mentioned Rooney as well. Like the the Derby story is just great. Like they they really could stay up now. Um, I have to say I love Rooney. The more I know about him, just he's, you watch the documentary. And I actually from? I only read about like re, like kind of reviews of it, so I have to watch the documentary. Watch it, yeah. But like he's just. He's a guy who's a victim because because of his his accent and the way he looks. People were amazed that he could write an intelligence article in the newspaper or that he could be probably anything from his football career onwards and all his personal life was all over the paper. But like he's stayed with Derby and they've you know, a couple of Irish players, two very promising Irish players that seem to love it there, and he's turned everything down for whatever reason. He said, I can't, I have a job to do here and I and despite their twenty two point gap, they might actually pull it off. Mm. The documentary is not a five-star masterpiece, but it's it's more worth the watch than mm. I thought it was going to be, and it's because they go into the wild personal life more mm. than I thought they would. And his wife Colleen is talking about very difficult things, and he's awkwardly behind, beside her at one stage, and then he's talking about it himself. And I'm honest, I'm thinking, geez, I don't, why go there? But I guess he wants to at least give his side of the story a touch. But they didn't just brush past oh he's had a few you know moments he regrets it was a a deeper treatment of it than I Mm. thought it was going to be which was interesting so it is worth a watch like it's not a masterpiece it's not Senna it's not Maradona but as these things go it's actually not bad at all we have to beat those Uh, we have to crack on here or the clock is going to come against us massively the news round is brought to you by Gillette put your best face forward with our new and improved razor so Richie you can take it away yeah, Will Connors has had his season ended by a knee injury. The Leinster flankers sustained the problem in last month's defeat to Cardiff. Connors only returned from an eight-month layoff in November and also had hamstring problems prior to that Cardiff game. His latest knee injury was initially expected to keep him out for eight to ten weeks, but Leinster coach Stuart Lancaster explained today the further time out. It was... Um, uh, we weren't sure until he we went to see the specialist, and the specialist obviously had an investigation and found out a little bit of loose cartilage and various other things need tightening up and if not it was going to be a consistently reoccurring injury so uh, better get it done now and get him sorted so that he could have a good crack at pre-season and into obviously uh, into next season so hugely frustrating for him you know he's worked so hard and been so um, diligent in his rehab but it's a setback but you know he's a very uh, upbeat guy I spoke to him today um, and uh, he's my new assistant defence coach anyway so he'll be uh, made, made good use of Yeah, big blow for him uh, Irish squad news, Richie? Yeah, Jimmy O'Brien earning a first call up to the Ireland squad today along with Leinster teammate James Lowe he's been included in a 38-man panel for Sunday's Six Nations visit of Italy to the Aviva Lowe missed the first two games with a hamstring injury while O'Brien's been rewarded for his form this season for his province which of course included that four-try haul away to Bath last month in the Heineken Champions Cup golf Rory McIlroy claims the proposed Saudi breakaway tour is dead in the water yesterday both Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau voiced their commitment to the PGA tour they released individual statements to end speculation they could be Saudi bound Rory McIlroy had already shot down the Super Golf League proposal and was asked yesterday about Phil Mickelson's controversial comments to Alan Shipnock that were made public last week I don't want to kick someone while he's he's dying obviously but I thought they were naive selfish uh, egotistical, uh, ignorant. Um, a lot of words to describe that uh, interaction he had with Shipnock. It was uh, just very surprising and uh, disappointing, sad. 
Um, and I'm sure he's sitting at home sort of rethinking his position and, and where he goes from here. Thanks. <laughs> you get into a lot of what about her, about, you know, the whole golfers in Saudi Arabia and there's a Saudi racing event interacting uh, Irish runners at the weekend or whatever. But this, this is great crack. I, mean, I don't want to kick him out when he's down, but oh, here's a kick. There's another one. <laughs> uh, he went from, I would think Phil Mickelson's feeling pretty lonely right now. Yeah. As, are, as, as would any of the, well, I don't know who has signed for this Super Golf League. It's certainly rumoured Lee Westwood and Ian Poulter have. They've definitely signed non-disclosure agreements. I don't know if that extends to full-on membership, but mm. basically all of the world's top 20 have come out now and said we're staying put because it did look for a time certainly mid last week all the rumour and all the very reliable reporting was that the Saudis felt they needed 20 players of a certain calibre to get this thing going and they were planning to get going come June and have 10 of their events of their 14 events in America so it was a real threat Mm. and if they picked their weeks cleverly they might have had better fields or comparable fields to the PGA Tour so it was very real last week the assumption was Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau were their two trump cards. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> so they were the uh, they were the two. Of course, Mr. Trump and uh, the Saudi leader were buds. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Bryson and Trump are good buddies. And mm. the word was that Bryson DeChambeau had been offered anything up to 100 million 135 or so. 35 million to mm. join. So last night when the golf was on, I mean, it seemed concerted and uh, planned within an hour of each other DJ and DeChambeau come out to say we're staying put so that kind of leaves the Saudis flailing badly now I mean we all love Phil Mickelson but he's not quite enough at 50 years of age to build a new tour around a rival tour around you know and I'd say he's uh, wondering where it's all gone wrong it, like we can't we can't labour on this but like what's going on in Yemen and what's going on in that region and to be worried about golf and like possibly sign up for this it's so sad how wrapped up we are in our own kind of world and what Saudi Arabia are doing in that region uh, obviously it's complex but it's it's horrible mm. well I feel that way every time I come on the air and talk about Manchester United and mm. football and this is all irrelevant ultimately like we're we're know. so wrapped up in our own kind of like and, and everyone's on about the you know pandemic and blah 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 but most people are very poor in this world and we just forget that a lot of the time yeah so on that note uh, Joaquin Neiman won over a million dollars last night in the golf Richie yeah McElroy speaking after he finished tied for 10th at the Genesis Invitational Joaquin Neiman was a wire to wire winner the Chilean finishing on 19 under par two clear of Colin Morikawa and Cameron Young who finished joint second and meanwhile Leeds say they will ban for life any fans found to have thrown objects on the pitch during yesterday's defeat to Manchester United Anthony Alanga was struck by an object as he celebrated the third United goal at Ellen Road yesterday Leeds are reviewing CCTV footage while the Football Association over there are also looking into the incident nine arrests were made in relation to the game there's something bubbling away in the in the crowds this yeah, season. Big time. I don't know, is it post-pandemic? Cocaine. Well, yeah. cocaine, we did a piece with uh, last week on the show. It's also post-pandemic. Cocaine just uh, mm-hmm. rife amongst football fans. But, it, but what's particularly noticeable this year are objects being thrown at players. Uh, look, a, a half or quarter empty plastic bottle is not ideal. I wouldn't like one in the head. But when you're throwing a coin... It's awful. You really could blind a player so easily if he turns at the wrong time. Absolutely. Um, it's cowardly. Um, I'm, I'm speculating whoever did it was under the influence of something or other. Um, but like this needs to be, they do need to be like put in jail for stuff like this. It's basically like assaulting someone. It's horrifically cowardly and uh, it was horrible to see. And it is, something's creeping into English. Yeah. It's English racing as well, as I said, Joe. Like there are issues with racing. Yeah, it's becoming, cocaine's becoming a serious issue at a lot of these events. 
amongst the fans at the tracks uh, yeah like yeah. And fa- fans would be a loose term a lot of like just go to the toilets at an English race course on Saturday now and it's it's scarily apparent it's post pandemic but it's um, it's worrying like British society is in a very troubled state in many respects okay so uh, the PFA comments Richie on the Robin Cock story yeah, they say concussion protocols in England are not working. Headway, the uh, head injury charity, have also uh, chimed in today, speaking following that decision to allow Leeds' Robin Koch to play on in yesterday's game at Ellen Road. The German player was later substituted after a blow to the head in the challenge with Scott McTominay. The FA have called for temporary concussion substitutes to be introduced. Football is so laughably behind on this, and it's not a complicated solution at all. You know, it's it's very simple. The PFA have been calling for temporary substitutes for uh, just over a year, coming up on a year. And then the current rules don't seem to have been followed either, I would say. So it's the if in doubt, sit them out. The FA guidelines state that any player who sustains a suspected concussion should immediately be removed from the pitch. Mm. Now, I just don't understand how that was not a suspected concussion. Absolutely. Like, um, it, was, it was a fairly clear case. It wasn't even a mm. took a glancing elbow and then actually 15 minutes later reacted in a way that we hadn't anticipated. I mean, there was genuine concern. There's blood pumping. It's a clash of heads. How is that not suspected concussion? So there's there's not abiding by the rules as they stand and then there's just the fact that they still don't have temporary substitutions for HIAs the the, the Cape Verde uh, Senegal game where Manny and the keeper clashed heads was like one of the most horrible things I've seen all year in the sense of like Manny scored a goal afterwards and was then taken off it was just yeah. like what am I watching here and like the keeper like couldn't he, he was like a fellow who was like essentially hammer drunk he just couldn't even stay in his feet he was so out of it like and he was then sent off but Manny stayed on the pitch, scored, and then was taken off with a head injury. Well, do you remember Pavard, the French player mm. at Euro 2020, got a terrible blow, played on, and then afterwards he was chatting to journalists, and he was so unaware that this could be controversial. Yeah. He, he was chatting, saying, yeah, no, I was knocked out a bit, and yeah. gave it a go. I, Joe, I, I honestly, I, I really struggle to watch rugby now, because I'm just like, I know what is coming down the tracks here? It's yeah. like climate change, it's going to be bad, just how bad? And it's like, oh no. I know, it does, it is increasingly at the back of one's mind when you watch every game. There's no doubt. It's and if, if if a football has caused like so much problem in terms of like dementia for some of these footballers who were headers of the ball and so forth, like how bad could rugby be? Like we really, really need to protect our players here. Mm. Rich, do you want to give us one last one? Yeah, Brendan Rogers, the Leicester manager, has been given the backing of the club's board. Yesterday's defeat to Wolves leaves the Foxes without a win in their last five Premier League games. Rogers will be three years in the job this month, but the Leicester hierarchy are not planning on a change of management. Where are you on Rogers? I think he's a very underrated manager. I agree with you. Um, think he's it's easy to take the piss out from some reason. Uh, apart from Gerard slipping the, the football Liverpool played, and they were very unlucky. I think he was a bit naive in that game in terms of the way they played. They approached Chelsea a bit aggressively, but very unlucky not to win the league. And Liverpool were brilliant to watch. Then he's done a very good job, Leicester. Yeah. Okay. Fellas, we are out of time. I know your next next story, Richie, was Lukaku touching the ball seven times, uh, which we'll get to a <laughs> Patnam. Twice in the first half and in- includes the tip-off. Tip-off, yeah. That was the first one. God bless. <laughs> I'd I'd throw your, name, I'd... your name right in the exam. Like. <laughs> I'd throw you on out there. Next. If you came in after 45 minutes with two touches, I'd be disappointed in you. Yeah. Lukaku's, get about there. We could definitely talk about him for a while as well because he's better than that. Well, we'll talk to Pat Nevin after nine about all the weekend's football, including uh, Lukaku. Johnny, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Appreciate sir. it. Uh, Richie McCormick, thank you. Mind yourselves.